You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. We are currently in a series called Covered in Dust, a journey through the book of Matthew, looking at the life, ministry, and relationship that Jesus had with his disciples that would later bring the kingdom of heaven through normal, everyday people. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, so this morning we're actually closing up a part of Covered in Dust today, and uh, I was actually, there's the reason why there's this random chair over here, is because I was going to like sit in a chair, and then I was sitting in my chair, and I really felt the Lord just saying, no, buddy, you need to, you need to walk around. It's probably because I need to lose some weight. It's probably why the Lord's telling me not sit in my chair while I preach. It's keeping me accountable. But um, we've been in this series, Covered in Dust. I'm not going to give you uh, all the details of, of what it's about, but really it's just a study through the book of Matthew and looking at what discipleship is. Um, from Jesus's perspective. Uh, we get the word disciple from the people who follow Jesus. We don't, it's not a word like the Christianese word, like seasons and, and whatever else that we just made up one day. Uh, there's actually a word for Jesus followers, and it's called disciple. And as a church, moving forward um, throughout however long the Lord leads us, we're wanting to focus mainly on discipleship. And discipleship isn't, like I said, it's not just like a Bible study, it's not just a prayer group, but it's just doing life together with one another. And that's what Jesus invited all these disciples into. They all came, and he said, just come follow me, and you're going to see what life in the kingdom looks like. Because he demonstrated it perfectly, but he also invited people to come with him. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? In this series that we've been doing, um, Jesus really has, has changed his, the way he spoke and his perspective from this invitation that is come and see, like come and watch, uh, come see what I do, um, watch me do these miracles. He turns water into wine, pretty like fun miracles, pretty fun things that he's doing. He's healing people, and the disciples are just in the backdrop just going, this, this is cool. Like, this guy wanted us to follow him. I get it. Why? He's a cool magician. This is great. I'm pumped. Um, and then he goes into, like, come, in, come and be, and he's like, don't just watch me do things, but come and be with me and learn from me. He starts preaching. We see him, like, in Matthew 5, he gives a sermon on the mount, and his, his sermons are, are stirring, and, they're, and they're, they're building, and they're growing you. They're changing you. And then he comes out of come and be, and he comes to come and do, where he's feeding the, the 5,000, right? You all remember that, where he says, like, there's only, like, what was it, five loaves and three fish? And he says, all right. I'm going to multiply, and he does, and he doesn't just fill people's stomachs, but he invites the disciples to go and feed people. That's a big deal. You know, he could have just said, up, oh, be full in my Father's name. Go and be full, but he didn't. He said, hey, go pass out this food. So he says, come and do things with me, and where we are now in the section, or, or if Covered in Dust was a book, this chapter that we're finishing up today is called Greatest to Least, and that's where we're looking where Jesus is saying, come and die. So he goes from being very inviting, very fun, and out of nowhere, he's, as we're going to read in a moment, he says, take up your cross and follow me, which means you need to die and come follow me, which is pretty, well, Jesus, that's not what we were talking about before. What, what, where are you going with this? So I'm going to break this down a little bit, but before you get started, just the, the theme that we're going to see uh, today, and, and as a conclusion of this chapter, if you will, greatest to least, um, I boiled it down just to this one statement. When we come to understand what we need to die to, so when we come to understand the things that we need to die to in our flesh, in our, in our lives, the, the things on this, in this earthly realm, what we need to die to, we can understand what we're being born into. As you guys know, when Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John 3, he says, um, you need to come and be born again uh, to become a follower of me. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is our scripture for the morning, or part of it. This is Matthew 16. Um, we started greatest to least, this, sec this section um, out of Matthew 16. I just thought it appropriate to finish with it. This is Matthew 16. If you guys have a Bible or a, or a tablet or anything, if you want to highlight it and take some notes, um, it'll also be on the screen. This is Matthew 16, 23. 
And a uh, little bit of context beforehand. So he just told Peter, you're going to be the rock that the church will be built upon. He, he totally just lifted up Peter, exalted him in a good way, in a healthy way, called him up to leadership, said, you're going to do great things. So Peter's pumped. Peter's on the inside circle of Jesus' disciples. And then this moment happens where um, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, just let you guys know, I'm about to go be crucified when we head over to Jerusalem in a couple weeks. And I'm going to, get, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to get crucified, but I'm going to rise again. So don't worry about it. everything's going to be fine. Um, to whence Peter looks at him and goes, not on my watch. <laughs> it says that Peter rebukes Jesus. He says, no, that's never going to happen. And this is Jesus' response to Peter's boisterous response. He says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on the things of man. Which is pretty intense for, for Jesus to say, but, but when he's looking at Peter, he's not calling Peter Satan. Uh, but a lot of commentators and, and people who study this passage really closely and looking at the, the context and the Greek and all that good stuff, um, they just said that Jesus is looking at the heart of Peter and saying, this isn't of me, right? This isn't a, a Jesus response. This is a flesh response. And in the Bible, John, uh, in, I, feel like, I think it's like 1 John 3, he talks about how there's like light and dark, there's no in between. And if we're not speaking the things of God, we're obviously speaking the things of the enemy, right? So, anyways, I'm going to pray real quick over this passage, just over this. I pray, Lord, that you would... Um, just give me just words to speak. I pray that in, our, in this room right now, Lord, just give us humility to listen, um, not to me, but listen to your words, what you're saying. Just as Peter, we don't want to miss what you're doing or miss what you're saying right now. We want to be honed in on, on your words and your voice, no other voice but yours. So just bring us to a point of, of surrender and humility right now. In your name, Jesus, I pray that you would just bring us to our knees in worship. And as we prepare to, to move through this tonight, uh, today, this morning, we just want to keep our eyes and our focus fixed on you, on what you want, what you're saying. We love you. You know, we pray. Amen. We're going to do something a little fun, a little silly. If you guys would turn to your neighbor, and I want you guys to do something. I want you to count to three. Find somebody around you. If you're distanced, make the walk. <laughs> um, but I want you to turn to your neighbor and count to three, and I want you both to, to guess the other person's favorite color. So look at the other person and go one, two, three. Say your favorite color. Go ahead and do that. I'm waiting for the like, no way. We guessed it. Did anybody guess it? Did you guys guess somebody's right here? Did you both guess each other's colors? No way. What? Well, okay, that doesn't count. You guys are related. Did anybody else guess? Over here? Oh, you guys are married. Come on, no. Are you not married or connected in any way and you guessed each other's colors? You see right here. Well done. As you can see in this room full of people, there's not a big chance you're going to guess the other person's color, right? So I did this silly little thing because, you know, interaction helps people when you're in a room like this in comfy seats. But the real, the real point here is, is just like... Um, just like Peter and Jesus, when they're having this interaction about him getting crucified, they're on different pages, you know? Um, when you guys ask each other or guess the color, you're on a different page, right? It's like, you're like, oh, green, brown. Oh, okay, right. It's actually funny. This has happened to Emily and I before. You know that moment in Frozen where, um, <laughs> what's her name? Anna. Anna, the sandwiches one, where they're like singing. We finished each other's sandwiches. <gasps> That's what I was going to say. You know, like you want that in your life, like with your spouse. You always want that moment where it's like, purple, yes. 
So we're, we're hanging out with um, Emily's family, and we were doing this. Her mom loves to do this little thing at you know family gatherings where you have the jar with the questions. You pull the question out, and it's like, if you lived on an island, what's one movie you would bring? You know, like those kind of questions. And we got one, which would be, what would be your dream vacation? Emily and I have talked about this multiple times. You guys know me. I love Lord of the Rings so much. And so I told her, I'd love to go to New Zealand. You know, we talked about that a hundred times. I want to go to New Zealand. I want to go see the Shire, the Hobbit Hole. I want to see the mountains. I want to go ride on a horse with Aragorn and just, like, kill it, you know, and just do great things. That's what I want in my life. I want to wear the ring and live my life. Um, we talked about it dozens of times. But for some reason in this situation, I did not remember that. I was in a different mood or something or the Lord was speaking something to my heart. I don't know what it was. But the question came up, what would be your dream vacation? And Emily goes, oh, oh, I know what his is. And in my heart, I got nervous. I was like, oh, don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if we're going to be on the same page right now. Lo and behold, she goes, let's count to three. I was like, okay, one, two, three. Near the Paris. <laughs> okay. You, that's not. And it's that moment where the whole family's like, oh. Are you guys okay? We're great. Everything's fine. We just weren't on the same page. And that's a small, silly scale, you know, forgetting, like, what the dream vacation is. But on a larger scale, the exact same thing is happening in this passage where Jesus, and this is the first time of four times. This is the first time the disciples have heard about crucifixion, okay? This is the first time that Jesus is brought up, hey, I'm going to go die. Everyone knows what a crucifixion is at this time period. No one knows what resurrecting in three days looks like. So the only thing the disciples hear is crucified. And so Peter pulls Jesus aside out of love for this father figure, this brother, this deep relationship that they've had for three years. And he says, I'm not going to let that happen. Because he's on a different page. He's looking at a different version of the story. He's saying, no, you're supposed to live, and you're supposed to take over the Romans, and you're supposed to do all this great stuff, man. We're, we're doing so good. Why would you ruin it? What do you mean you're going to go die? I'll kill anybody who gets in our way. Very admirable, very sweet, very honorable. And then Jesus goes, but we're not on the same page. Do you guys get what I'm saying? He's looking at him going, but you have your, your story that you're, you're spinning out right now, but it's not my story. Does that make sense? And I think for us, like, it can be so easy in, in our own lives, at least for me, I can only speak for myself up here, but I can only assume that all of us in this room have a hard time with staying on the same page as Jesus most of the time. Okay, we have our little things like we're on the same page right now. We're gathering in church, which was called, right? That Jesus said that you would gather and worship together and praise God together. We're doing that one thing, right? We go home, we read our Bibles, and that's the right thing to do. We're on the same page with that. We pray. And there's all these good things. But if we were to look around at the circumstances of life right now, even the country we live in, the way we live, the, the 2019 world, America that we are right now, I don't know if we're on the same page. Would you guys agree with that? Whether we mean to or don't mean to. So I'm not up here. I hope you guys hear me. I'll say this before. I'm not up here pointing fingers at people. I'm not trying to make anybody feel terrible. I'm just, I was reading this passage and felt massively convicted that just like Peter, maybe I'm thinking something about Jesus or thinking something about my relationship with God, but I'm on a different page. You guys still tracking with me? Um, just like Peter and some of the people we look at, um, as we've seen in greatest to least, you know, there's, Oliver's done an incredible job just breaking this couple chapters down into three stories, which we're going to look like in a second. Um, our lives tend to be out of sync with the way that Jesus lived his and ha that he's called us to live our lives. The scary part is that, like Peter, we sometimes don't even realize it. Like Peter, we've been called and we've been given identity from God. Each of us, if you're a believer in this room, you have been given an identity. You've been given a new name. You've been given a commission. You've been given a call. 
And we can all look at the Bible and see that and agree with that as believers. But sometimes I think because of, the, again, the world we live in, goodness, we're in the largest technological advancement of all time right now, which is really cool. But we all ha also have these really silly things called Facebook and Instagram and, and all this stuff where, where we can get so wrapped up in, like, how many likes am I going to get? I just record a song, guys, and put it on Spotify. I can't tell you how anxious I am now. I'm like, who's going to listen to my song? Is anybody going to download it? Oh, gosh. You know, like... But that's what happens, right? You get pulled into this, and all of a sudden, my life's about meaning something because I wrote a song. Do you understand? And little things like, oh, I'm going to post this cute picture of my kid. I hope a lot of people like it. I hope we get shares or comments. I'm going to post this kind of like edgy status on Facebook. I wonder who will comment on it. Right? It's silly stuff, but like, is that what Jesus wanted us to do? You know what I'm saying? Or like how often do, and this is me, when I get home from work and after I spend time with my family, the right thing to do, and I put my daughter to bed, the right thing to do, am I like, let me get on some Netflix, man, and just veg out till 2 a.m. What other things could I be doing with my life other than watching Netflix till 2 a.m.? You guys understand what I'm saying? And so we're going to look at three stories real quick. And again, this, this is the same, Peter's one of them, but there's, there's so many more um, stories that we could point out where there's just people getting off page with Jesus. They're expecting something out of life. They're expecting to do something in life. And Jesus says, that's not, that's not it. That's kind of off. So this is the rich young ruler. We've talked about this before. So Oliver brought this up a, a couple of chapters ago. I think it was in like Matthew 18. But the rich young ruler, as you guys know, he, he, he has all this stuff, right? He has all this money. He has all this status and this, these things. He just has stuff, right? He probably had the newest iPhone, if he was in this day, he drove like a Maserati. He was really cool. But in humility, which it was humility, he comes to Jesus and says, hey, how can I inherit the kingdom of God? How can I, how can I follow you? Because I really want to. He's earnest, just like Peter. He has the right motive. And Jesus says, well, you got to just get rid of all your stuff. Oh, well, you know, I, I went to school. <laughs> I learned some stuff. I know the Bible really well. Right, but why don't, you, why don't you sell your stuff? Just get rid of everything. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Because he's looking at Jesus expecting a, oh, you, you learned everything? Oh, you pray well? Come on, man. You're doing it all right. Let's go. But he's saying, no, but you're still attached to these things. Because in his mind, he's like, I have all this stuff, but that's okay for me to be financially secure. It's okay for me to have my comforts. It's okay to have my, my security around me as long as... I follow you, and, and, I, and I know the Bible, and I, and I pray to you, and, and I do it right, but that's not right. Does that make sense where he's missing? Do you guys see how the, the rich young ruler, he's not getting on the same page as Jesus? And so for all of us, I, I, want, to, I want to ask you, I want to implore you, I want to beg you to search your heart. And even right now in this time, even if you need to take a moment of prayer by yourself, to ask yourself, um, this simple question right here. How can I die to a life of entitlement and begin living a life of abandonment? Entitlement's a strong word. I'm not saying anybody's entitled in here. But what I'm saying, again, and this is me personally, I'm learning it from my life, is like I, I look around and I see things and I'm like, I'm owed this. This belongs to me. I should have this. I should be comfortable with this. Right? Because I spend time with my family. Because I'm a good dad and I'm a good husband. And because I'm a worship pastor, I'm owed my Netflix time. But I'm not. You see how silly it sounds when you say it out loud? But that's really when I search my heart about, you know, the Spotify thing, all of that. I go, man, this is so silly. I'm missing it. Because the moment it becomes about me and how comfortable I am and making sure I have everything I need, 
is the moment that I feel like I'm in control and I'm not letting Jesus be the one in control. Make sense? I'm going to keep saying make sense because I want to make sure you guys are on the same page as me. I'm not. And again, this isn't me. I'm not saying like entitlement's a strong word. It's the only one I can think of. I'm not sitting here calling you entitled. I'm saying, do we have entitled tendencies? Yes. We live in stink in the United States, guys. Like the world that we live in is about consumer. People are trying to sell you consumerism. They're trying to sell you, hey, do what you want. Live your life. Be who you are. Which isn't necessarily bad. You should be confident in who you are. But it also says, oh, you want that large soda for a dollar? McDonald's has got it, bro. Go get it. But everything's like that. Netflix is like that. All of it. It's all about, like, you serve yourself. But Jesus doesn't call us into that. He says, oh, you have a lot of stuff? Go sell it. You know why? Not so you'll be poor, but because somebody else can be rich with all the stuff that you have. So how can I not live a life feeling like I'm deserving of something and look at my life as an opportunity to give somebody else something? How can I take what I have and give it to somebody else? Entitle them in the name of Jesus. Does that make sense? It's just a simple getting back on the same page. Because that's all that Jesus was about. He's just about people. It's the only thing he cared about. Second thing was, the, the word I used was approval. And this had to do with, uh, the, I, think it's, I think it was 19, but when Jesus talks about sin in the church, right? This was a really uh, intense story that, that Jesus started to, to lay out. So back then, um, in the Jewish culture, what would happen is, is someone would come to the priest, and they would bring before them their sin. They'd say, hey, I sinned. I did something wrong. Where so the priest would then go and do an offering, okay, on behalf of these people for their sin, to cleanse them of their sin. There's no interaction. All this is a confession and then a sacrifice. You tracking with me? What do we do now when, when, when sin's going on in the church, right? Or even with the brother and sister, what does Jesus call us to do? He says, hey, you need to go talk to your brother about it or your sister. And if it doesn't work out in that conversation, you need to bring another person with you. <laughs> Guys, I'm, a, I'm like a, a nine on the Enneagram, which is like the peacemaker. My like unhealthy status as a peacemaker is zero conflict. Oh, there's conflict? I'm out of here, friend. I don't want to deal with it. My marriage was fun in the first year because of that. Because I just was like, oh, they're not going to, no, dude, whatever you want. But what happens when I don't deal with conflict is I bottle it all up and then I go crazy, right? So Jesus is saying, hey, don't run away from conflict, run into it. Because the people in that day were just like, oh, no, 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 no. You sin? Cool, man. I'm just going to go burn some bulls and whatnot. Don't worry about it. Like, and that's what Jesus, or, or what God appointed. But when Jesus comes, he says, but you're missing what it's supposed to do. Like the whole point of the offering wasn't just so you could be absolved of your sin and be cleansed. The point was that let's get you in a lifestyle where you're not sinning as much anymore, you know? Let's make you better. Let's, let's improve. Let's grow. And that wasn't happening. So he says, you know how it is going to happen if you approach your brother. But you know what the risk is and why people don't want to do that? Because you're afraid of getting burned, getting hurt. You're afraid of offending somebody. You're afraid of breaking relationships, right? But Jesus is saying it's better for you to potentially break that relationship. It's better that way so that that person might be closer to me. That's hard. That's difficult. Guys, I hate conflict. I really do. I don't want to come and call somebody out for doing something I see them doing. But it's out of love and out of growth, and that's the way that Jesus calls to do it. Again, it's for other people. So ask yourself this question. How can I die to a life of self-preservation, trying to keep myself safe, trying to keep myself from, from conflict, trying to keep myself from, um, from, from dealing with, with hard things and begin living a life of discipleship, right? The word we've been using. Because that's discipleship. Now, it's not all it is. So if Oliver gets up here in a couple of weeks and says, hey, um, get in a city group, it's not just about tell us your sins or we're going to work them out. Like, it's not the whole group point. 
But discipleship does look like me and you're going to walk together and I'm going to see everything. You've got to be okay with that because we're going to grow together at the same time. Does that make sense? And that's what Jesus is saying and how the people weren't on the same page is he's saying, I want discipleship. You just want to, to sort of let go of your stuff and, and, and back off from it. And it just doesn't work like that because no one's accountable. Life on life does what? It keeps you accountable. Right? And the last one was ambition. This was the Matthew 20 with the sons of Zebedee. So to give you that, that story really quick, um, the sons of Zebedee, they, they come to Jesus, and, and their mom is like, hey, I want one of my sons to come sit at your right hand, which is great. You know, it's very sweet of a mom to do that. It's like if your mom's ever shown up to, a, you know, gone to your coach and said, hey, I really want, really want Stacy to play. Why don't you just give her some time? You know, I know she's terrible, but just get her up there. You know, it's very sweet. But Jesus goes, hey, well, are you going to take the cup that, that I'm about to take? Are you going to take the sacrifice I'm about to take? Because that's the only way we're going to get there. And as we all know, the, the cup, the bitter cup that Jesus was going to take was a cup of beating, of suffering. Literally, the man got his beard plucked out, getting spit on, made fun of, and then ultimately crucified on a cross. Sons of Zebedee, are you still in on this? <laughs> you still want to come do this? You totally can not on the same page. They're out to get this status. They're out to be successful. They're like, man, just like, get me to sit beside Jesus, man. That's all I want. And it just doesn't work like that. Because Jesus' kingdom is, is reverse of that. As this has been called greatest to least, Jesus is about, no, no, no. It's about going to the lowest places. Those are the people who are raised up. Not the people fighting to get on top. I thought about, even in our church, as we've been in this really, I was talking to Sharon about this morning, it's been a really cool season of like bringing up leaders in our church, which has been so fun. Elders, deacons, ministry leaders, group leaders, it's been incredible. You know what we look for when we look for leaders? The quiet leader. Someone who's just killing it and not saying a word. Because the person who's like, hey, just to let you know, I got here 30 minutes early, I cleaned everything, I told them they need to do this, I picked up trash, it was really cool. I don't like that. I wish you had talked to me about how you're leading. I just want to see you naturally do it, and I'll call you into it. And that's exactly how Jesus worked with his disciples and with these sons. He said, no, like, there's a, there's a price to being a leader. There's a price to sitting on the right hand. You have to be willing to pay it. Does that make sense? So here's the point as I've, I've shared all these stories. And those three words are just appetite, approval, and, and, and ambition. Well, let me give you that last, that last question for ambition. And again, just like keep that perspective of yourself. Like, how am, I, how am I like the sons of Zebedee? Don't force it. If you're not, then great. But just ask the Lord to search your heart. This is the question. How can I die to self-made success and begin living a life of seeing others succeed? How can I stop worrying about how I'm going to get to the next step? How can I stop worrying about getting that promotion? How can I stop worrying about... Um, becoming the worship leader or becoming some sort of leader? And how can I just be where I am and look around and see, how can I make somebody else beside me better? How can I raise them up? You know why we don't want to do that? Because just like the sin of the church thing, it's, it's slow. As Oliver said before, it's low, it's slow, it's hard. You don't necessarily reap reward from that kind of stuff. Somebody might tell you, hey, thank you. But that's not, if you're here for, if you're in life, I'm here at church. If you're in life and you're just looking for accolades and looking for promotion, you're going to get to the end of that. And that's why he's telling the sons of Zebedee, this isn't the point, guys, that you can sit beside me. They've, been, they've literally been sitting beside Jesus for three years. 
at tables and eating meals with him, and they're like, can we sit at your right hand? Bro, come on, man. And just like Peter, it's just like you, we're, not, we're not tracking. We're not saying the same thing. What is the common theme in all of this? Me, right? It, and that's really, I mean, I had somebody, I don't know why they asked me this. I remember looking at them and going, why are you asking me? I was maybe, guys, six months into marriage. And somebody's like, hey, man, like, what do you think is, like, the key to having a successful marriage? I said, I'm the last one to ask about that, buddy. I don't even, what? <laughs> um, but I told him, I said, if I had to really look inside and look around, and I talk, Emily and I have talked about it before, I said, you know what? The key to every argument is one of us or both of us is being very selfish. I just want what I want right now. And I will fight you. I will yell at you <laughs> to get what I want. All of, guys, all of sin, all of the struggle in life, everything we go through in life, all will boil down to whether you want to focus on you or focus on the Lord. Your plan or his plan? Your priority, his priority. I'm, and again, I'm not up here saying I, I got it perfect. Guys, I am 25 years old. Please don't think I got this together. <laughs> I do not. Because it's so hard every day to wake up and say, okay, Lord, what do you want? Sharon, can I share the story you shared with me this morning? Is that okay? Sharon voxed me. If you guys don't know what Voxer is, it's this thing that came out uh, probably like 15 years ago, but it's resurged. Oliver and I are bringing it back. Um, I brought it up to somebody in a meeting. I was like, hey, man, do you have Voxer? And he said, I haven't had Voxer since I was in like eighth grade. And I was like, okay, can you get it? <laughs> um, anyway, Sharon voxed me this morning. And she said just the sweetest message. Um, and she just said, hey, look, Timothy. She's like, I got to confess. Like, I woke up this morning. I was hating the set list. She's like, I didn't feel like it was like me. I didn't feel like it was what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't inspired by it. all this stuff. And it just being very like confessional in a sweet way. Then she turned around, she said, but you know what I realized? This is what God wants. And she like linked up the songs in this goalie, and I won't go into all the detail, but she just said, but I realized that God wants this set list this morning. That this is what the Lord wants, so I'm going to back off of my wanting to be inspired or, or whatever so that God can be made, made perfect in this worship. I was like, thank you for a perfect story for my sermon. No, I'm just kidding. No, but like, seriously, but that alone embodies what I'm trying to say this morning, that we have to, we, we can't walk through life continuing to say, like, how can I be more comfortable, or, or how can I be inspired, or, or how can, the, there's nothing wrong with success, there's nothing wrong with inspirations, there's nothing wrong with that stuff, but if that's your goal, if you're coming here even, let's use this example, if you're coming here to be inspired and blown away by worship, and have a sermon that just, like, lights up your mind, it may or may not happen, I don't know if I'm leading if it's going to happen, but that's not right, right? That's not why the church came together. Church didn't come together so that we can listen to really cool sermons. Like, go listen to podcasts and get on YouTube for that cool stuff. But, like, we're here to do what God wants us to do, and that's to give to one another. Does that make sense? And that, as much as the common theme here is you or me, our selfishness, the other common theme is Jesus' selflessness. He's actually wanting to push you in the other direction and say, all this stuff, go do it for somebody else. You want to be successful? How about you make somebody else successful? So here's the, the point in the good news. All this. I feel like I'm sounding really negative up here. So here's the point. Jesus' ways, his perspective, and his vision for our lives is not like ours. And because his are, and always will be better. 
his vision, his perspective, his ways will always be better. They are better right now. And that's the thing he's trying to show Peter is like, it's better. He says that in another passage. It's better if I leave. It's better if I'm crucified. Why? Because you're going to get the Holy Spirit. You'll be even more empowered than you are right now. Forget about sitting in my right hand. How about you just dwell with my Holy Spirit, the closest you will be on this side of eternity? How about you just do that? What Jesus offers instead of success is something so much better. And it's not just success in the kingdom, but you want to be fulfilled in life? You want to stop having to chase after promotions and jobs and accolades and whatever it is? Be fulfilled in, in God. And how do you do that? Just start giving to people. And not just money. Don't just give five bucks to the homeless guy down the road. Like, give yourself to somebody. In discipleship, as Jesus has modeled. Go give your life away, man. In the hardest, most uncomfortable, slowest way you can. Because the reality is, from an earthly perspective, it's not going to be this, like, cool, like, oh, man, we're just doing life and it's so great. No, it's going to be really hard. Really hard. But the, the eternal price tag or the, or the paycheck is so worth it. It's so much better, not just because you're bringing somebody into the kingdom, but because you're walking into the kingdom together. You guys have heard it a hundred times, and James said it, life is a vapor, it's just dust, it's nothing. So why are we spending so much time? Why is Peter so worried about Jesus being here right now? When we have an eternity with him. The thing about this whole choosing Jesus' ways and choosing his vision and choosing his perspective for our lives and how his are always better is it all has to boil down to worship, okay? Worship is all about giving God the glory that is due. It's all about giving God the, the worth and the honor that is due. Why do we give that to him? Because he's given himself to us, right, through the person of Jesus. Jesus came, lived a perfect life. He served everyone he was around. He served and sacrificed and surrendered in the ultimate way by going to the cross and dying for sin and then rising again in three days. Okay? So it all has come out. That's why we worship him. Does that make sense? So our worship isn't just a song that we sing, and we've all heard this. It's not a song that we sing, but our worship is a lifestyle that we live. And our lifestyle isn't just, man, I pray enough, I read my Bible enough, but what are you doing for your, the people around you? Get even smaller. What are you doing for your spouse? Get even smaller. What are you doing for your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister? And then go from there, but you have to look around, take an inventory and go, man, like, am I just super ambitious in my life right now? Am I trying to find approval with people right now? Do I have this, this appetite, this hunger for, for stuff or, or just material things or, or just to, to, to be comfortable in my life right now? Or are you seeking that for those around you? Because at the end of the day, and Jesus says that at the end of this Matthew 16 passage, at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to matter is what you did for other people. Not what you did for yourself. I feel like we've all heard this sermon before, but I don't know about you guys, but this thing smacked me in the face <laughs> this week. I wanted to get rid of my Netflix account, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, why am I paying for this? I hope this isn't like scaring you or it's not like making you super uncomfortable or anything, but I hope it's convicting in some way. I hope you're, you're finding something in your heart that God's saying like, man, it's right here. This is that thing. It looks like Sacrifice. Choosing Jesus' ways, it's always going to look like sacrifice. And like I said, it comes down to worship, and worship is sacrifice. Like I said, burning bulls and incense and all that, that was worship in the Old Testament. That was worship, and it pleased God. Worship is always sacrifice. 
You can't have worship without sacrifice, and sacrifice will always result in losing something. If you're, at least from an, a heavenly a heavenly perspective, and that's what we have to do, we have to move our attention from, from earth to heaven. If you're not somehow a little uncomfortable in life, some way, each and every day, something that just brings you kind of like a, guys, there's this guy, this homeless dude that caught Emily and I downtown, and we said, we're only going to spend $15 on date night tonight. This dude came in and asked for the biggest order from this rib place. I spent $37 at the end of it. I said, I'm supposed to spend $15 almost spent $50 tonight. I was uncomfortable. It hurt. But this man had an incredible meal. And you know what? Never saw the dude again. But my wife and I prayed for him, gave him my phone number. I said, dude, give me a call if you ever need anything. You need a ride, whatever. Hit me up. Didn't have money that week, but it was worth it because I got to love somebody. Does that make sense? I gave my date night away, which when you have an almost two-year-old, date night is precious. I spent my whole time with a, a dude named Johnny Thomas and my wife, and it was hot. And I watched him eat his brownie ice cream and his chicken wings and his french fries while all I had was Starbucks that night. But see how silly it all is? <laughs> I went home and ate. I enjoyed my coffee with my wife. I wasn't hurting. I wasn't in pain. I have a wonderful family, wonderful home, you know, blah, 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 blah. We're fine, you know? If we really think about it, most of us. I don't want to talk about your situation, but if we look around, I think we're all okay. There's nothing that we need that God hasn't provided. Amen? And he gives us an excess in certain areas. Do you know why? So you can give it to somebody else. And maybe it's not money, but if you have an excess of time, go give it to somebody. If you have an excess of, not, maybe not money, but, but got more gas in your car, you see somebody needs a ride, go give them a ride. He gives us excess for other people. So this is the, the second part of the Matthew 16. I'm going to close up with this. And then I believe we're going to go into a time of communion together. So this is Matthew 16, verse 24. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Dying to yourself comes before following Jesus. We can't go anywhere that he's going if we don't agree with the direction. You know? For whoever would save his life will lose it. So whoever is trying to do the whole self-preservation thing, you're trying to make something for yourself here in this world, if you're working, all of your effort and your time and your resources all goes towards your success, your betterment, self-help, whatever, you're going to lose your life. Jesus said this about fasting. He said that the Pharisees stand on street corners and they talk about how they're fasting and they have received their reward. Standing on a street corner <laughs> talking about how they've been fasting. That's it. Good for you, buddy. You're fasting. It's the same thing with this, that if we're just hoarding our lives for us, that will be the conclusion of your life. But whoever loses his life for my sake, will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? The 
worship team can come up now and we'll start closing this up. If you guys would stand up, actually, as we get going with communion in a moment and, and worship. But I have this question. If you guys have a phone or if you have a tablet or, or anything like that, I want to give you this simple question today. I've been talking about I have harsh words in here. And, and again, these are the only words I could, I could think of. But in the midst of all this, this is the intentional question. We have an intentional question every week. How can I die to selfishness and come alive to Christ's selflessness? I felt like Darrell when I wrote that. I was like, selfishness, selflessness. But, but selfishness, I, I, again, like, I don't, you're so selfish. Like, that's a terrible thing, and, and, and I'm not accusing anybody, but again, that's where the root of the sin happens, guys. We live in a, a fallen, broken, sin-filled world. Again, we live in the most consumeristic nation on the planet where life is, everyone's just trying to get you what you want. I can't imagine how easily we would all fall into the trap of just looking at me. I do it every single day where it comes down to being about me. How can I die to selfishness in little ways and come alive to Christ's selflessness, his, the way that he embodied selflessness? You know how I did it? Through the cross. That's why I use the analogy of death, because you know what death means here on earth? You don't exist anymore. No one sees you. You're under the ground. No one hears you. No one, you know what I'm saying? People maybe talk about you. But you know what happened when, Oliver brought this up, you know what happened when Jesus died on the cross and he was buried? You know what people did for three days? They went back to work. And the harsh reality is like when we die, that's what's going to happen. The world will keep spinning. People will move on. So what's going to matter? You know, you want to talk about all these people talk about nowadays, you know, finding your purpose, finding your legacy. You know what your purpose is? People. Jesus gave you the, the easiest purpose when he was ascending into heaven through the commission. He said, just go and preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations. Purpose isn't it figuring out your career, although have a career, and have fun with what you do. I love music. This is a blessing I get to do this. But this isn't me. I'm not, I hope you guys know, I'm not chasing after the lead pastor role, trying to kick Oliver out. Partly because I've watched him be in that role, and it looks horrifying. <laughs> but it's not about just building up your career and building up your name. Because again, guys, Steve Jobs, the dude passed away, and guess what? We're always kind of like, oh yeah, Steve Jobs, that guy was awesome. Made a phone. That's cool. Right? All these great people, they're gone. What's going to matter, at least for me, when I die one day, I hope my family, I hope my friends, I'll look back and say, man, that guy gave his life away. And you know what? I'm a, I'm a better disciple because of it. Not because of me, because of Christ in me. Because I laid down my life for those around me. There's another passage that says, no greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friend. No greater way to love people. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get going with worship and communion. If you guys, we do this a lot around here. If you would hold your hands out like this. Um, I've just been really getting back into worship postures and stuff lately. And if you just hold out your hands like this, like you're, you're taking something. Um, we, we use, I talked about Christianese earlier, you know, there's that term. 
uh, open hands. God, I just want to have open hands. Um, but it's real. So open your hands now and literally see your whole life in your hands. Think about everything, your career, think about your relationships, think about your car, think about the money you have, think about um, your success or like your dreams, your ambitions, all that thing. Because sometimes those things aren't bad. Think about what you want to be. Think about who you see yourself being. You know, five-year plan and all that. Think about your house. Think about if you have kids. Think about your kids. Think about your spouses. Think about your friends. That's everything in your hands right there. And ask yourself that question with these open hands. How can I, Lord, show me how I can die to selfishness with these things in my hands. And show me how to come alive to your selflessness. Lord, I just pray for me, for our worship team, for the setup people, for the productions people, and the volunteers in kids ministry and in hospitality. And I pray for everyone in this room. Lord, I pray that you would expose the selfishness. I love that, that, that song, I think it's from the song Hosanna, but break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lord, I pray that you would show us how to die to self-ambition and show us how to come alive to, your, to, a, to a heavenly, a pure version of ambition. It's not bad to be successful, but where, what are we going to be successful to? I pray that for those of us, if we're, um, if, if we're just hungry for, um, for things around us, if we're, if we're hungry to, 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 to have stuff, or maybe we're just hungry to be comfortable, Lord, show us the dangerous parts. Show us the root of this, this sinful way within us. And Lord, if any of us in here, if we're performing for anyone in this room or performing for our careers or performing for our families, I pray that we would just, you would just help us fall out of that approval and show us that you approve of us, number one, and that literally is the only thing that matters is how you see us. Lord, we love you and we are surrendering and submitting and falling to our knees in worship to you now and convict us. Really come in and convict our hearts and just help us see the world around us. In your name we pray. Amen. We at City Lights are so grateful to have worshiped with you today. We are a church that exists to be followers of Jesus who are devoted to building family, blessing neighborhoods, and bringing good news to the nations. For more information on our church, visit our website at www.citylights.cc and give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook. We hope you can join us again soon.